Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, today on the show, we have legendary actress Dee Wallace, who played the mother in E.T., the mom in Cujo, and thousands of other parts that she's played over the course of her career. Now, the reason we have her on the show is that during all of her success in the 80s and 90s, she had a secret. She was channeling. She was channeling her performances. She was helping other actors learn how to channel their performances. And she now helps others with her channeling abilities and spiritual gifts. This is a fun, fun conversation. And we even had a little bit of live channeling in the episode itself. So let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Dee Wallace. How are you doing, Dee? Pretty fab. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show, my dear. Uh, I have I mean, to say the least, I've been a fan of yours uh, since I was a kid. Uh, growing up, and not only was I a fan of your acting, but I was when I discovered it your spirituality side, and that you were channeling and and the self creation um, message that you're putting out to the world. I was really, really became a really big fan then. So that's Thank why you. I reached out to have you on the show because um, you are a unique unicorn in this space. There's not a lot of people like you doing what you do. So my first question is. You know, how did you begin the spiritual journey of yours? <laughs> I was born. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're all on a spiritual journey. Whether mm-hmm. we call it that, whether we call it life, whether we call it getting by, it, it's all a journey of learning who we are, you know. But even when I was a very little girl, uh, I would get messages. I... I just thought they were intuitions, you know, Um, but my mom um, didn't poo-poo it. She didn't um, take it lightly. Uh, One night I woke her up and she had to be at work at 7 a.m. every day. And I said, something's wrong at grandma's house. Something's wrong. So she called over there and grandma didn't answer. Now, Yes, it was 3 a.m., but Grandma had a phone by her bed. So, bless my mom, we got in the car and we went over there. The cat had gotten up on the stove and turned all the burners on, but they hadn't lit, and so the house was filling up with gas. Grandma was fine, but I got that information. I received there was something wrong. You know, and I had several experiences. Uh, My dad visited me after his suicide 
as a light in my room and all this sounds really airy fairy I know uh, but little kids do this all the time we call them their um, you know their imaginary friends mm -hmm. and, um, because our adults brains can't accept the fact that kids are so innocent that they just get that information but that's really what happens so anybody can channel i just wasn't afraid of it i'd known it since i was little and um when my husband died at 40 i kind of dropped to my knees and said i don't want to be a victim and i don't want to be pissed off I want a way we can heal ourselves, yes. which in the good book is ask and you receive. You have to ask. And most of us don't ask and we don't ask for what we want. So within like seconds, I got the first message, which was use the light within you to heal yourself. And I've just been kind of exploring that ever since. So w when you were at, at such a young age, as you were growing up, um, when did you begin your acting career when? How old were you? Oh, I, it was, well, I, I did community theater in Kansas City, and right. I graduated with a theater education degree. I taught a year of high school. Mm -hmm. And then I said, if I don't get out of here, I ain't ever going to get out of here. So I wrote a very cheesy letter and I mean, it was very cheesy uh, and sent an even cheesier headshot, by the way, to Hal Prince, who then was the biggest producer on Broadway, because he was looking for an unknown to star in a little night music. And everybody laughed at me and said, yeah, Dee, that, that's really cute. Like he's going to three weeks later, his secretary called and said, Mr. Prince wants to fly you to New York to audition you. Wow. So the day I arrived in New York, I sent all my belongings to an apartment I'd never been to. And I went to Rockefeller Center and auditioned for Hal Prince. I got down to the last four or five girls. Wow. Yeah. Right, so you were, you were fairly young when you started. What part of this, this other side of your, your personality, of your the other side of you, of your life, started to seep into your acting did you ever include the channeling did you even understand what was going on honestly uh, you know i understood what was going on and i never called it channeling mm -hmm. so the the acting technique that i use is based on very very high energy and you get your energy very up and you throw all your energy toward the werewolf for the dog or the person you're working with. And what that does is it opens up a channel. And so I was trained to get out of the way and let the character tell me what to do. I never break a scene down. I never go, okay, where am I going to? Where have I been? I don't do any of that. I truly get out of the way and let the character tell me what to do. So when I started channeling, I went, 
oh my God, I've been doing this in my acting for years. I know this. You just listen. You listen and you get out of the way and and you allow the information to guide you. So it wasn't foreign to me at all. It was it was just a, an expansion of what I already knew. Was was the energy that comes through? Is that your higher self? Is that no, guides on the other side, or is it just energy? So where does that energy, energy come from? You think everything is energy. Everything okay. we learned that in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. There's no positive energy, no negative energy. Energy's neutral. Mm-hmm. All the information is available to anybody. It's just hanging out right here but you have to ask to receive it it. so So, uh, i made a deal with my channel i said okay why me first of all i'm little deanna bowers from kansas and they said exactly that's why because you'll be able to say it in a way that everybody can understand it and i said all right but you're not using my mind. You're not using my body. I'm not taking any of this stuff on. I just want to be able to reach into energy, understand mm-hmm. it, dissect it, and help people heal themselves. And the channel said, that's exactly what we want you to do. So that's what I do. So with when you say that they said, are you hearing the voice or are you feeling it? Yeah. Well, both. Okay. I mean, I. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. What happens to me if I would act it for you? What happens to me when I get a hit? is inside, if if it were in a movie, I'd go like that. Right, right. Um, it's really much more subtle than that. <laughs> it's kind of a, hey, go here. You need to go here, D. You need to look at this, you know? Like when you hear two or three things within two or three days from different people, you're supposed to look into that and focus on that and find out what they're wanting to communicate. Right. So if in the last three days, three people say pink elephant, you're like, maybe I should look for a pink elephant somewhere. Yeah. Or what does that mean? Right. Exactly. What's the energetic meaning behind pink elephant or uh What's the energetic meaning behind sciatica? Mm -hmm. You know, I have three people in two days call me about sciatica. There's something up about that then for everybody. For everybody. So, you know, somebody called in to my, my show that I do every Sunday morning and said, who do you channel? And I said, don't have a clue. Let's ask. <laughs> and the answer was all thought and all possibility is what I channel. Well, to me, that's what the creative force is uh, in the world. And you can call it 
you can call me, you can call it God, you can call it the creative force, you can call it the force. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can call it the main name of every and any religion that's ever been out there really doesn't care. It really, the energy just wants you to know that you are here in embodiment and you are given free will to create yourself. Mm -hmm. So you have to take the responsibility and get clear about what you want and commit to that. And then the universe can intercede and work with you. Very, very true. Very, very true. Now, when you've, like you said, you've been doing this almost all your life and you didn't have a name for it when you were doing it. But when you decided to come out kind of publicly about this, how did the people around you deal with it? Or was it a, a seamless transition? I, I remember it being seamless. Uh, it, it started in my acting studio. Actually, oh, interesting. And I would, um, people would get up to work and man, I would get hit with information like they get three or four lines into a scene and I, I would go, uh, what's going on with your wife? What's the problem at home right now? Wow. What did your mother teach you about money? What's up about money in your life? And, you know, I, I would have six auditors every class. <laughs> three of them would go, oh, my God, I have to get into this class. And the other <laughs> three would go, hey, nice, see you, bye. <laughs> because it was kind of freaky how sure. right on without even knowing these people's names uh, the information <laughs> was. So how did you uh, how did you include this in uh, or can you give us an example how this was included in some of your performances like in ET for instance? Well, yes, I can give you a perfect example. So like I said, I don't break things down, didn't decide how to play scenes. My job was just to be Mary in the moment I was in. And at the big dinner table scene, you know, uh, when Elliot looks at me and tells me his dad's in Mexico with Sally. And you see me take this huge hit. Mm -hmm. And I felt the tears coming up. And I had the thought as Mary, I can't let the kids see me cry. So I got up and left the table, which was not in the script. So Stephen yells cut and he comes over and he said, Deep, why did you get up and leave? And I told him what happened and he looked at me and turned around and said, guys, I need you got a half an hour. I need you to build a set over here with a sink with running water so I can bring her over to the sink and then bring her into this big close-up where I says, he hates Mexico. I remember that line so And that well. all happened like that because Mary had to leave the table. 
I'll tell you something. That's I mean, when I've, the magic happens, you know. Well, yeah, and and you know, I've. And I don't know if you know or not, but I've been in the industry for about 20, 30, 25, 30 oh, years sure. as well as a director. And being on set as a director, when you're working with actors, you there's those moments that you just kind of like let things come through you. And it's and it's really difficult to understand. I've been on sets when I've seen it happen, when I'm not the director. While I'm on the director, I, I'm, I feel something like, okay, how do I fix this problem? How do I get that? Something comes through, and it's a collaborative channel oh, in many bet. ways. And and the the sets that don't allow that collaboration, oh, the magic doesn't happen. It's so all difficult. the great directors, all the great directors that I've worked with. We've had moments like that, like Peter Jackson when I was doing the Frighteners. Yeah, and we were doing. The transition where Patricia sees him, you know, and he said, we'll try it this, we'll try it that way. And they were, you know, when I, when I'm acting, I feel mm-hmm. like butts are crawling over me. When mm-hmm. I'm being, everything just is like that. So they'd already broken and were going off to do. And I went, oh, Peter, I've got it. I've got it. Because I just had to sit there with no information and mm-hmm. just be. And that's that's when we got the take that we used in the film. In 10, with Blake Edwards, um, we had finished doing the scene where Mary Lewis is watching him play the piano mm-hmm. at the bar. And again, they'd broken and Dudley just started playing. And I was sitting there and I was so moved by watching him and I tears came to my eyes and Blake happened to walk by. And when everybody come back, set up again quickly, we're going to get a shot of Mary Lewis listening to him play. And it's this huge, heartfelt moment close up. Mm -hmm. But it's just because I was really in the moment. You know, that's when all the magic happens. And so beginning directors often think, you know, all right, I have to have a shot list and I have to have everything. I have to know exactly what I'm doing and try it this way and try it that way. And um, It's funny because they're really making such an effort to do it right. And in that effort, they're limiting the creativity on the set so much. Oh, I agree with you 100%. When I first started off directing, I had shot lists and storyboards for every single moment of every single thing. Sure. Because I wanted to be Hitchcock. Uh, Of course, we all directors. I mean, Stephen wanted to be Hitchcock. Everybody wanted to be Hitchcock. So as I got older now, I just kind of like show up. I'm like, all right, let's see what we're going to do today, guys. And kind of just flow with it a lot more. Um, And I also have the basis. And you know, Stephen does that too. He's very prepared. But he he was open to all the kids' suggestions. Yeah, 
Yeah. Which were phenomenal, by the way. A lot of the stuff they came up with. Um, kids don't have, you know, those blocks and, well, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Kids are just, hey, what about, you know, right. I, I love working with kids because they're just always in the moment with you. Always. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Now, because of your, you know, your career and working with so many amazing creative people over the course of that time, is that, can you explain or can you explain to the audience the process of the artist in the sense of how we're able to just channel? And I think I've used this example so many times with athletes when they're at the very high levels with artists, when they're at the very high levels, they're almost at a, they're just almost channeling at a different energy level. Oh, of things. it's all and, about energy. Yeah. yeah. It's a, and I've, and I've had the conversation, I've been in the rooms with some of these big actors and big directors. I've spoken to many of them, had them on shows and things. And you just feel the difference when, when you're talking to them about stuff, you're just like, Oh my God, there's just like a, a different level. Can you articulate that in any way for the audience? Uh, Yeah, it's the ability to be in the moment, not be in control of the moment, but to be in the moment of creativity and to trust that. But when you trust yourself as the artist and the conduit that it's coming through, you let go and then the greater guidance comes in whether it's channeling healing work and me going into people's energy and putting together what where the belief systems are that are in their way or being in the moment of the character and what they're feeling and and even thinking um i mean when Mary Lewis, when Mary Mary Lewis was the girl in ten, when Mary in ET said, "Oh, I, I don't want the kids to see me cry." That was her thought, not mine. And it's so exciting when that happens. So what you're saying is almost the artistic process is an analogy for life in general to be in the moment absolutely absolutely you're connecting to source energy you're connecting to that higher guidance that yep we're going through and i'll 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 have to agree with you 110 that when an actor is trying to control their performance it it suffers dramatically where you have someone like meryl streep or daniel day lewis or a Denzel or any of these amazing actors who just every single time they're on screen, you're just like, Oh, they're just, they're at a whole other level. They allow things to kind of flow and be and become as opposed to actors who want to try to control. And you can tell when you're watching a movie or a show, well, they're trying to control it. Doesn't that apply to our life too? I was about to say. We're, we're taught we have to control our life. Mm-hmm. We have to control it or we're not safe. Right. And and so that makes us go to our monkey minds 
And your mind is literally designed to question and doubt. That's its purpose. Mm -hmm. So if you're questioning and doubting your life and your creation of it, you're never joyfully and excitedly with love looking at your life going, wow, what a miracle. What can I create today? You know, during the pandemic, I I got up and there was all this news within the industry of, you know, everybody's shutting down and how are we going to get? And I went, oh my God, am I going to make a living? And my channel said, the business isn't your living, D. Your consciousness is your living. Get up every day and say, today, what can I create? And do you know, I never suffered financially or creatively during the whole pandemic. Mm -hmm. It was pretty miraculous. I mean, like a month into it, my agent called and he said, D, I even forgot I negotiated this because they never came back. They want to use a clip of one of your movies in this big movie that's coming out. And uh, I negotiated $20,000 for you. And they they just wrote me and said, okay, we're going to use it. (laughs) I mean... I couldn't have made that happen because (laughs) I had no idea that he'd negotiated it. I didn't even know what the movie was. Wow. But when you're in alignment with loving money and Mm -hmm. loving yourself and trusting the universe and allowing everything to be delivered to you, then you're in alignment and the universe goes, okay, we'll figure it out. You don't have to. Oh God. Yes. It's so true. Cause once you let go and and it's not letting go of your free will where a lot of people always get confused. It's like, well, if I have free will, well, I need to, you know, no, no, no. It's about letting go and just allowing the universe to kind of guide you on the path. You choose which path, which stone you want to walk on. Exactly. You have to know what you want. Right. Now, I can go out and speak and have somebody that I've never met come up on stage and and go, okay, what do you want? I don't have to worry about money. Good. What do you want? Well, I I don't want to, you know, be so worried that I don't have enough money. Good. What do you want? want? This can go on. I'm not kidding for 20 minutes. Until they get so pissed off, they say, God, D, I want more money. And I said, now we can start because that's the first time you've told me what you want. We are literally programmed not to ask for what we want because that's not being a good little girl or boy. You know, you can't get everything you want right? God doesn't love you if you ask and get everything you want. I mean, there's all kinds of limiting beliefs that go into that. And until we go, you know, I love getting what I want. 
I love it. And the more money I make, the more I can give to my charities, the more I can do for my kids, you know, and my baby, my daughter's baby that's coming and uh-huh. more I can do for my friends. You bet. Bring me the money. But my message that it took me about three years to become conscious of and redirect was they're the rich people. We're the good people. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. That belief. That well, belief. so cut to 32 and I'm coming out in the biggest blockbuster of all time and making a lot of money. And I went, oh, I'm one of them. Great. <laughs> and what do you do with that? Right. That So you have conflicting, you know what you want consciously and subconsciously your little girl or your little boy saying, don't go there. You can't want that. You're not going to be loved if you get that. You know, our, our brains are locked in by eight years old to most of our belief systems. So I tell everybody, and I suggest for everybody watching this, write down what you're working on. Money, success, relationships, health. And then under that, write down everything you were verbally taught or everything that was modeled in front of you. And you will see where you got your limitations from. You will see the walls that you're hitting right now. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. He says you brought up that, that little, that little independent movie you did back in 82 about an alien. Uh, <laughs> what was it like being in the center of the ET hurricane? Cause just so you know et was the first movie i I was dragged to see it because it was (laughs) there was a finger and there was like a moon and the the marketing i was like there was there wasn't a lot of tv commercials i could see at the time i was so young i was in second grade and i'm like my mom's like go go it's for my birthday i'll never forget and i'm online outside getting in there and she's you like it i'm like oh what is it about it's like an alien an alien oh god this looks horrible is it like star wars no it's not like star wars so i go in and it changes my life because it's the first time ever I think about being a filmmaker. When in 82, there's not a lot of information about being a filmmaker or being a, like that's not a thing as it is in today's culture. Yeah. So I know how it affected in my life. And then being at that age, everything was ET. You couldn't walk anywhere on the planet without seeing ET, something about ET. What was it like for you being in the center of that ET hurricane? It was awesome. <laughs> It was it was awesome. And what I think what was most awesome about it was that I I really got mm, the spiritual impact of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that transcends the mind and the brain and reaches right into people's hearts and reminds us all of what's important. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and I look back now and I think it was by no mistake that I was chosen for ET because it's pretty much everything I teach in my healing work. Yeah. You know, keep your heart open. Uh, he was very clear about what he wanted. He wanted to get home. Hmm. He allowed all the kids and the universe, all the little things he collected to come together to help him create what he wanted. And he got it. And that's really, in the simplest terms, what creation is. That's how you manifest everything. I've never actually sat down and analyzed E.T. that way. Mm. But it is so true that E.T., the character, was collecting all this stuff yeah. to help him manifest his way back home, which yeah. is an analogy for all of us in life. We are all trying to gather information, trying to gather things, trying to gather stuff, relationships, people to try to get back home on a subconscious yeah. level, if you will. Would you yeah. agree? Well, it's very conscious level for me. Sure. Um, it wasn't always. <laughs> and somehow I just always knew it on some level. I think we all do when we get out of our minds and and just get into mm, allowing ourselves to feel the truth. What is, is, did you have any major takeaway or lesson you learned from Stephen on that set of E.T.? Because he was such a young director. I mean, he he was already Steven Spielberg at that point. But, you know, what were any lessons, either spiritual or creative or just life lessons that you might have learned from him? I think it was always not to allow anybody else to define who you are. Such a beautiful idea. Such a beautiful lesson. Because we all do that, yeah. don't we? Pretty much. Until <laughs> we become conscious that we are in charge of defining and creating ourselves. Now, we've been talking a lot about channeling and how you channel. What is your exact process to connect to to that information, to source energy? What do you? I, what is it? Do you just ask and it just comes yeah. to you? Yeah. That's simple. Yeah, ask me something now. Um. Oh God. What do you want to know about? Oh God, I wasn't prepared for this. Um. Okay. Uh... <laughs> well, that's some fun of it. Remember? <laughs> I wasn't prepared. Okay. Let's see what 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 comes up. Um. Where Where are you challenged? Where Where do you want to break? Through? Oh, for me. Oh, for me. I was going to look for bigger yeah. questions about the world. Oh, about me. Um. Well, you can ask about the world. I don't care. Ask anything. Uh, Okay, uh, uh, my ch uh, challenge is the great, the great uh, awakening that is happening throughout this world uh, uh -huh. of consciousness. Uh -huh. What is the biggest block that we have as a as, as a as a species? The biggest block is that we can't know. And right after that, they're saying is that we're scared to death to know. I can't be God. I'm scared to death to be God. 
I can't be the creative force. I'm scared to death to take that responsibility. How do we That's overcome that? How do we overcome Anything that? Anything higher? No, I'm working with my pendulum. You can't see it, but. Sure. Is there anything, is there a way to overcome those fears? Well, sure. It's like everything. Energy has to be directed. Hmm. You know, again, energy's neutral. It's just hanging out there. It will match whatever your thoughts, feelings, and beliefs are. So if you want to change your life, you've got to become conscious of what you want and then choose the thoughts and the feelings and the beliefs that support getting what you want, creating what you want. So is this is this a form of the law of attraction or manifestation? Yeah, and it goes way beyond that. Right. I mean, a simplistic I, I, understanding of that. Right. Anytime I even bring up the word law of attraction, I just kind of cringe a little bit because it's been so misunderstood for so many times, so often. Yeah, and so overused. And and I think the the greatest challenge is that people get stuck in the original small explanation of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of expanding out and allowing that to be greater and grow. and During all of this time that you've been publicly doing this, have I'm assuming you must have had some sort of skepticism along the way. How do you deal with that, if, if you did have any? Well, like I deal with anything, that's not a thought that's going to give me what I want. So if you if you if someone comes in it's like because people ask me all the time but like this channeling stuff Alex really are you like you used to you know you used to be a filmmaker now you're talking to channels and and I have trans channels on the show and people that go full all in uh, as well and and I go well what's the message does it ring true to you great if it doesn't move on you know with skepticism so yeah it, what's so funny you know is that they'll ask because they want to know and then they'll right. argue because they don't <laughs> it was just exactly it, it, that's the thing i always fascinated about like if yeah. you're asking that means you're curious if you were completely just like the dismissive of it you wouldn't even ask you'd yeah, be like that's so just ridiculous. i want to be god and i don't want to be god i want to be in control of my life and that's way too much responsibility you know, so people will call in to me and go, well, what does my guide say? And I, my response is your guide wants to know what you want. That the, the guides, the angels, whatever you call the creative force is waiting for you on this plane. Nobody can think a thought for you. Nobody can feel a feeling for you. Nobody can hold a belief for you that you do not choose. That makes you the creator with free will of you on this plane. The energy of what everything is a part of is waiting for you to direct it where you want to go. If you want ice, you have to decide you want ice. You have to put the water in the tray and the tray in the freezer. 
to get eyes, to get what you want. All of creation is pretty much the same. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So that point of asking is so important. Yeah, it took and you me can't forever ask to learn until that. Until you know what you want. It took me forever to ask for help. Yeah, not from other people. We are taught not to. Yeah. Until I and and the few times even before I got deeper into this as I am now, I would just ask the universe. I'm like, I just need help. Someone help me with this, this, or this. And then magically a phone call would come the next day, or Absolutely. a job opportunity would come the next day. And I'm like, huh. Yeah. Just like the money that came to me. Right. It's magic. Like, it, there's just no. You know, other I reason. didn't even audition for ET. How did you get ET then? I had auditioned for used cars years before. Yeah. Well, for Robert Zemeckis, yeah. But he, Stephen, remembered me and my quality, and that's who he wanted for Mary. Simple as that. They just called you, like, hey, Steven Spielberg wants you to be. Well, simple as that. And. I was enrolled in a program, uh, a philosophy program, if you will. And the whole summer was on creating what you want, writing it down. I wanted to star in a major motion picture with a major director. That would be very successful. I got everything that was on that sheet. That's right. Do you, do you suggest people do that more instead of just saying it, writing it? Yeah, my channel's very big on writing it down. Really? Because, well, you can see right in front of you uh, and you can experience in the exercise of writing it down what you're resisting uh, when your thoughts go, oh, that's too much to ask, you know, that kind of stuff. But most of all, you it helps you get very, very clear. And it helps you commit. I, one, one of the, the big parts in my newest book, Born, is the three pillars. How I see myself, how I see the world, how I see the world seeing me. And if those three aren't in alignment, part of the house is collapsing. Mm -hmm. So I can see myself as an actress, but if I see a world and I go, oh, it's not going to be possible out there for me, or I see a world where it's possible and then I see everybody looking at me in my imagination going, yeah, we don't know her. She's not an actress. She's nobody then I've got walls that can't allow me to build the house I want. How do you, fi- how do you find those walls? Because that's a very difficult thing when you're looking for these walls, these blocks in your life, and they're subconscious, something that happened when you were three or four or five, some and belief system. And most of system. them happen then, by the way. Right. How, how do you dig through all the muck? Okay. What in your life? Are you not getting that you want? Simple as that. And then they'll start digging in. And then, well, let me write down. What did did my mom teach me about that? 
What did my dad or what did my grandparents teach me about that? What did my church teach me about yeah. that? What did I watch being modeled in front of me? I mean, I couldn't for the longest time figure out why I couldn't find a mate that was equal in what they made. And I was having to take care of everybody. And I did that exercise once I had been taught. And I thought, well, my dad was an alcoholic all my life. I saw my mom take care of him, take care of all of us. My grandfather who had been a very big CPA, had had two strokes uh, when I was very, very little. So I witnessed my grandmother taking care of him hand and foot every day. And I went, oh, okay, there's my belief. Women have to take care of men. And until I consciously redirected that, well, what do I want? No, I want relationships where he's complete in himself and I'm complete in myself in all subjects. And we come together and bring our completion into a complete union. That's what I want. And then I started getting it. Yeah, I mean, the big one big belief I had to deal with was you have to work hard for money. Oh my really God, hard. who didn't? I mean, our my gen, I mean, my gen, my grandfather's generation, my parents' generation, sure. you know, working class, lower middle from, class, middle class. Yeah. They they all came from depression, from the depression. Oh yeah. Right. And <laughs> those are sense memories and uh beliefs that are literally passed down in the water of who we are. Water, as you know, holds its memory from the beginning of time. And we're almost 90% water. That's an interesting concept. Can you dig into that a little bit? And can you explain that a little bit more for people? Uh, yeah. If you read any of the tests of like Emoto, the Japanese mm -hmm. uh, uh, gentleman who did all the tests with water and everything, um, water contains frequencies and vibrations that have been around forever. So <clears throat> that's a true, yeah. So we not only want to redirect the limiting beliefs from this lifetime, but from many of the other lifetimes that we lived when we went through plagues and uh, we lived in foreign countries, third world countries and starved to death. It, you know, all of that is in our energetic field. And again, energy needs direction and redirection. So if there's something that you don't want, you need to be clear about what you do want so that you literally can consciously direct the energy to create that. 
So, because I think it back only my grand- takes seventy-two hours mm-hmm. to change the synapse in your brain. If you are excited and happy and doing it consistently for those seventy-two hours. So yeah, this concept. I actually keep remembering my my grandfather who did come from that kind of time period of the depression where he would literally reuse paper towels. Like he would dry he would dry paper towels. And I remember yeah. seeing things like that when I was growing up. I'm like, oh, I guess you gotta work hard. And I was working hard since I was like I was seven, eight. I was trying to figure out how to make money. <laughs> well, and you know, it's good to have a good work ethic. Correct. It's not good and it does not serve the ease of your creation to marry that with the belief that it has to be struggle. So people say to me at least three times a day, oh my God, D, how do you do everything you do? Same here. (laughs) Yeah. And I go, well, I love everything I do. And I get to choose if I need some time off, then I am the creator of that. You know what? I'm feeling like I'm pretty close to the wall here. I'm going to take two days. And I swear, you know, three hours into that first day, I'm going, I'm going freaking nuts. What is there to do? (laughs) (laughs) But again, you're at choice. You are always at choice. Now, you were mentioning a little earlier that you were doing some pretty transformative channeling in your acting class. Can you give an example of an experience that transformed somebody's <laughs> life when you were dealing with your channeling? Um. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Yeah, this one uh, guy was doing this scene um, about proposing to his girlfriend. And I stopped him four lines in and I said, why is your energy blocked? What's up with relationships with you and, and completing relationships with you? And he started crying and he said, oh my God, I've been engaged three times and they've all reneged on me. And the first thing I heard was mom. And I said, what's, what do you remember your mom teaching you about relationships? And he paused for a minute and he said, oh my God. She used to say to me, you'll never find a woman who loves you more than I do. And whenever he got close, he had, he literally had to attract women that would not complete a relationship with him because he had to maintain that belief that his mother had given him. He wrote me six or seven months later he had moved back to New York and he said, Miss Wallace, I just want you to know, I just got married to a wonderful girl. 
Oh, that's a beautiful. You know, and really, it's really easy. Of course, everybody's going, oh, that sounds right. No, because if you say it's hard, then you're directing yourself to make it hard, and then it will be hard. Whether you believe you're wrong or you're right, you're 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 correct. Yep. It's really true. Yep. What would you what do you say to somebody who's listening who's like, this all sounds such positive thinking, Pollyannic kind of thoughts? This doesn't make sense. I say, try it. Okay. Because if you really do it, your Mm -hmm. life will change and you'll go, I get it. And you'll be off and running in your life. Fair enough. Now, Dan, I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask all my guests. What is your definition of living a fulfilled life? Love. If you had a chance to go back in time and speak to the little D that used to be you, what advice would you give her? (laughs) I, you know, I love who I am. Mm -hmm. And she started it all. I would thank her. I would thank her for being the bright light she's always been. Oh, beautiful. How do you define God? Me. And you. What do you say to those people who cannot accept that we are all God and we are all the creators of our own life? I would say you get to create yourself. So if you want to create yourself limited, that's your right. And what is the ultimate purpose of life? To be happy. And to take responsibility for the creation of yourself. And where can people find out more about you and the amazing work you're doing for the world? I am dwallace.com. That has everything and your books are on Amazon and all that. Yeah, and you do private or, sessions as well? Oh, yes. I do private sessions. I have three today. <laughs> uh, private sessions. I do monthly webinars. Um, there's a whole new area of energy that's opened up um, called intrinsic data fields. What is and that? I'm getting ready to do a big webinar on uh, the meaning of intrinsic data fields. We haven't used them in the direction of energy because they're kind of a pocket of energy off to it. And we we haven't really known they were there. So this is inclusion of a lot more energy that we get to play with. So it's really exciting for me. And do you have any parting messages for the audience? Yeah, love yourselves, guys. Love yourself and love yourself and love yourself more because that's really what it's all about. Who do we want to give everything to? The people we love. Let's put ourselves at the top of the list and then our cup runneth over and we get to give a lot more to everybody else. Dee, I appreciate you and the amazing work you're doing for the world. Thank you again so much for being on the show. Thank you. This was a great interview. Thank you. 
I want to thank Dee so much for coming on the show and sharing her stories with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 307. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.